welcome to Shameless, the pop culture podcast for smart people who love dumb stuff. You are joined, as always, by Melbourne writers Michelle Andrews and Zara McDonald. Hello, Zara McDonald, and hello, producer Annabelle Lee. Hello. Hi. Coming up on today's show, Keith Urban accidentally hard-launched a long-rumoured celebrity couple. We might finally know what ended the friendship between Selena Gomez and Francia Razor. The timeline of one Hollywood couple's divorce is raising questions, and Mish comes to the table with a my two sense. Finally, we've got an opinion. We're bringing it back. <laughs> Is there mounting pressure on Gen Z to live a life of luxury? But first, Michelle, how was your week? Well, first of all, before I say anything, you're both looking amazing today. Oh my what? god, I, I'm not going to be able to function if we're starting with this compliment. <laughs> Don't look me into that. Zara's hair's looking fresh. No, but we were saying that we loved your jacket before Annabelle. We came on. We've Annabelle's been, whole outfit. We've been throwing giving. the jacket compliments oh like no gosh, tomorrow. Stop. I also love the set you're wearing, Michelle. Oh, it's one no. of <laughs> It's one of my all-time favourites. I've it's worn not it like a thousand times. But that's good. That's what fashion should be. Yes, absolutely. Thanks so much. How was my week? Brilliant. I rediscovered the like completely transforming power of a weekend away. Oh, lovely. I love a holiday, but I think even if you leave work on a Friday night and you go away for just a day or two with a loved one, I went away with my sister Evelyn to regional Vic. It is just the best. I think you truly sometimes only need 24 hours to reset and recharge. It's so funny you say that because I was planning to go away last weekend, but didn't in the end. And so I said to Ollie, because it was sort of like an anniversary of sorts, which I find such an embarrassing <laughs> thing to admit. Oh, happy anniversary. Oh, it was the anniversary of your first date. Yes. <laughs> well, that's the anniversary we celebrate. I don't know why I find admitting anniversaries are embarrassing, but I do. I'm actually quite red. Anyway, we were meant to go away. We didn't. But I said to him, let's sort of try as much as we can to just not see anyone this weekend and Herman a bit. And that has a lesser but still powerful transforming power yeah. <laughs> not that any of that made sense I think I should have used the word transformative about yeah. two minutes ago so it's a transformative power yeah but I say I take your point and I'll give you my lesser response which is even just having a steak hey is great yeah no completely agree I feel very refreshed and raring to go I do have two recommendations for you they are both things that I watched on my weekend away with my little sister the first one is Ed Sheeran's four-part docuseries the sum of it all it's on Disney Plus. Disney Plus. Have you guys watched it? I have watched three of the four episodes. Am I have well? not at all. Guys, Sorry. again, transformative. I watched it and I cried so many times. So did Evelyn. Evelyn was so overcome with emotion at the end of one episode. She turned to me and very earnestly said, you know what, Michelle? We are what we watch. <laughs> what the fuck does that mean? We just, are we not cheering? <laughs> yeah. We felt so overcome with like positive emotion and this like, I don't know, it was so heartfelt and so earnest and so beautiful and life affirming what you that are. she truly felt like you are what you watch I when mean, it comes to watching Ed Sheeran. <laughs> I, I get it, I guess, <laughs> sort of. It is a really, really beautifully put together series. Four episodes, about half an hour each. So really doable, yes. little kind of bite-sized packages. It is really emotional. I was really surprised to see Cherry Seaborn, <laughs> the one that you called Chelsea last week. What? And now you're number, her number one fan. I am mortified that I called her Chelsea. I am now Cherry Seaborn's number one no, fan. No, number two. Okay, <laughs> equal number one. No. <laughs> I'm sorry, but if you weren't there for her before she was, I you know, front, Chelsea, and, yeah. <laughs> front and centre of a documentary, then you can't be number one. She's. I was surprised she was in it, but in the documentary she explains. I won't give too much away because there's so much mm-hmm, to it. She mm-hmm. explains why this was a project she would never be involved in and what changed her mind and why it was really important to her that her story was told too and mm-hmm. her and Ed's story was told and their love story, really beautiful. I cried at multiple points too, but Ollie was cacking himself because the point that I burst into tears the most was actually <laughs> when Stormzy and Ed oh, yes! were performing and then Ed says, this man is the <laughs> nicest man in the world about Stormzy and I just burst into tears. You were like, that is so true. And I was like, I've been trying to tell you this. <laughs> Have you, I think it might be the final episode where they're having a conversation conversation in Ed Sheeran's kitchen. No, I oh, haven't. No. Guys, uh, given shameless listeners know that we love Stormzy, 
the crossover of Stormzy and Ed, which is not even a major storyline in this. It's just a little, a little storyline. Yeah, no, it's just a very small storyline. But I was like, I'm so glad I went on this Stormzy deep dive a couple of months ago and really fell in love with him and like properly appreciated the man that he is because it made me burst into tears when I was watching this. So 10 out of 10 recommendations. Thank you. I am obsessed, guys. Please go watch it. My other recommendation is kind of a re-recommendation of something I've spoken about on the podcast before. Couples Therapy, the American version of the show. I know there's an Australian spinoff as well, but the American version, season three, is now on Paramount+. Plus. Couples Therapy, season three, is the best season yet. I devoured the entire thing in a couple of days. It is, if you're not familiar or if this is one of your first episodes of Shameless, it is recordings of a therapist sitting down with couples and you hear... All of the juicy details about their lives, but also how they repair what is broken in their relationship. I actually think it has all of the elements that I love about everybody as a secret. It's the juicy, gossipy element of, oh, wow, they've cheated a lot on each other. Yeah. Mixed with the helpful, how do we go from here? How do we build from here? I actually was watching it thinking, you know what? This has to be one of my favorite shows that has come out since Shameless began. It's so interesting because it's actually not on my radar at all. Mm. But I love Esther Perel's podcast, which is essentially, it sounds like this in podcast form, right? Yes, it is very similar. I would say this is even more interesting. You see so many different couples and you hear about so many different issues. I think it does a really good job at really portraying so many diverse relationships. You've got polyamorous couples. You've got very heteronormative couples. Have you ever watched an episode? Never. Zara, you would love I kind it. Of didn't even know it existed. I know you've not spoken about this before. I think you have, but it's really <laughs> like flown right over my head. Not yeah. one for me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I like actually dodge. think you'd adore it. You'd yeah, adore it. I think I probably would. I have two quick recommendations as well. The first one, thank you to Sahani and our team who recommended this to me. It is Shonda Rhimes on Armchair Expert. Here am I coming with all the Armchair <laughs> Expert recommendations now. Shonda, of course, is kind of one of the most prolific TV creators of the last, should I say, 100 years? <laughs> Is that That's too a far? lot of years. I have far? only been alive for 29 of them, so I'll confidently say the last 29. All right, of the last 29 years. <laughs> I know, Grey's Anatomy, Scandal, Bridgerton, How to Get Away with Murder. There's just like a whole litany of shows that she has created. And I've never really listened to her much. I've never really understood her story mm. or what she's even like. I adored this episode. It was far less of an interview about like, who are you and where do you come from? And very much about like who are you now and how do you approach things which Ah. I kind of liked because I think some interviews can end up following exactly the same structure like I grew up here and then I got into TV here which is still interesting in some form but we sort of dived just right in I love that one thing I adored from her was how she explained that nobody says no to her nobody ever says no to her she has a TV idea it'll be in production the next day and she sort of joked about it being like world's smallest violin but she also said it's really important for me to hold myself accountable to that no one else will I cannot tell anyone an idea or you know tell anyone anything unless I'm absolutely sure this is something I'm going to do because everyone will work around me to make it happen how interesting which is fascinating and I just a really interesting conversation that I hadn't heard anyone have so I love that episode so much please listen to it how did Dax do Pretty good. <laughs> Pretty good. No, honestly, I do really like Dax Shepard. I'm really sorry. I don't know where this came from, apart from my you, own mouth. You really had an axe to grind. <laughs> I don't know. Dax Shepard's interviewing I, style. I know. I know. No, honestly, I think he's great. Um, the second recommendation is slightly more rogue and random. And look, I'm not sure if many people will try and take this up, but I really want them to. Is this your way of saying it's a seven out of 10? It's not a seven out of 10. It's like an eight and a half out of 10 in my okay. world. Okay. But I just, I can improve when I say it, people are going to be like, I'm not interested. <laughs> it's the writer David Sedaris on Desert Island Discs. <laughs> How are you both uh, feeling about this? A 7 out of 10. Yeah, yeah, you lost me a little. Sorry. <laughs> I knew it. Please. So please. anyway, Annabelle, let's have a chat. <laughs> Guys, I love David Sedaris. I've long loved his writing. He's a sort of humorous comedian writer. I love him. And he, you know I love Desert Island Discs. So I listened to his story. This interview is amazing because it talks a lot about his coming out as gay and how 
difficult his dad made his life and how it's only since his dad has died that he's been able to talk very openly about how much he despised that man and how we should be able to talk ill of the dead if they were really awful people, which I found he just says it like so beautifully and like Mm. cleverly that I'm like, oh, wow, I've never really heard anyone talk like this. The second thing is David Sedaris lost his sister to suicide quite a few years ago and they spoke about that in this really beautiful piece he wrote for the New Yorker about it and I listened to this episode and then read the New Yorker piece and I felt like I understood so much about him but what I found very interesting about going back and reading that New Yorker piece about his sister and his family is clearly this piece was written before his dad had died so his dad was mentioned throughout the piece and not at all in the light that he has you know spoken about in this interview so the kind of double-pronged experience I had reading and listening to this was really interesting and I loved it and I really recommend it and I know so many of you won't, but please try if you've got time. No need to plead with us, gal. We're on, I think we're both on. We're interested. We're yeah. interested. <laughs> back you on got board. Us in. I honestly would read anything he writes, so please, please. That's <laughs> still begging. Please, still please. begging. That's, no, that's fascinating. One of my loved ones went to a funeral a few years ago where everyone was very honest about the person who had died yeah. and the eulogy given literally said he was a very bad man. And he won't be missed by really anyone. And my mum was sitting in the... I mean, she knew that he was a very flawed person. And she still talks about that, being one of the most honest and weirdly life-changing moments to be like, when people die, it's not like we always have rose-coloured glasses and good for it, better for it Well, it's completely discombobulating though because you don't hear it very often. So when you do, you sort of are quite taken off guard. But really fascinating. We have so much to get through today. Should we start with the quick and dirty? (laughs) Yeah, let's start. I'm introducing you, which is always anxiety-inducing because I forget the line. <laughs> Come on. Okay. And now it's time for the quick and dirty. Every week we bring you the top five stories from the rough and tumble of the celebrity and pop culture news cycle. Well done. Well done. Zara loves David Sedaris McDonald. What have you got for us? All right. My first story. Did Keith Urban accidentally hard launch Phoebe Bridges and Bo Burnham? <laughs> that is from Jezebel. What a story. God bless Keith Urban. God bless Keithy Urban. Because guys, this week he posted quite the viral TikTok. His caption was, shout out to Taylor, as in Taylor Swift, her team and all the Swifties who showered us with so many friendship bracelets. We love ya. <laughs> At Taylor Swift, hashtag eras tour. As you might have predicted, Keith and his wife, Nicole Kidman, were at Taylor Swift's uh, Philadelphia concert and they sort of uploaded a video of themselves dancing to style like your parents might dance at a 60th birthday party. Granted, I do think <laughs> Keith and Nicole were slightly less daggy than my parents would be. <laughs> great respect to my parents. Do you think so? I, I don't know. They, <laughs> oh, I think they're I being a little oh. nice to Keith and Nicole. I love Keith and Nicole. I actually back Vicky and Paul Andrews to dance less awkwardly than Keith. They're pretty awkward. Yeah, it's quite, um, (laughs) I I mean, you know what? Not the point of the story. Love them to bits. (laughs) (laughs) uh, I I love Keith and Nicole Kidman. Like they're amazing. But yes, it was absolutely the best. Keith was completely oblivious to the fact that by posting this video, he had broken quite a celebrity (laughs) news piece. In the background of this video, Phoebe Bridges is seen kissing Bo Burnham. Yes. A bit of quick background if you don't remember our previous segments on these two. Now, late last year in December, we found out that Phoebe Bridges and Paul Meskell were no longer together. We had speculated that they were probably engaged last year. By December, we knew they had broken up. Now, they broke up amidst rumours that she had been seen kissing Bo Burnham at various dive bars around New York City. At the same time, Bo Burnham broke up with his girlfriend of almost a decade, Lorene Scafaria. Now, Phoebe and Bo said nothing about this. Paul Meskell said nothing. Lorene said nothing. But Phoebe and Bo were papped at various places. They were papped at the airport. I think she was either on her way to or way back from her father's funeral and she was with Bo Burnham. They were also papped together walking down the street at lunch dates over the last few months. Demois has been posting a lot. So we've been very confident that they're together because they keep getting spotted together. 
but they've never actually confirmed anything to the public. Yes. So you can imagine Keith Urban's video very promptly goes viral. I mean, at the time of recording, it has about 4 million views. (laughs) And again, with great respect to Keith Urban, I don't know if he's getting 4 million views on just the average video. I think he has about 700,000 followers. I'm scrolling through his page. Often hits the 40k mark. Yeah, perfect. Lovely. Now, the top (laughs) comments include from Duolingo, Keith has no idea what he just did. And another one that said, Keith Urban obliviously hard launching Phoebe and Bo was not what I was expecting on a Monday afternoon. (laughs) It is giving beautiful hapless dad. Oh, it's giving clueless dad energy. And I just love it so much. I know. Now, we probably have to quickly touch on while we're talking about Taylor Swift Eras Tour about the fact that, yes, more updates around the Maddie Healy thing. Maddie's been at like every concert since. He was in a box with her parents at one of the concerts. One of the fans yelled up to him, are you and Taylor dating? And he responded, yes. Oh, well, (laughs) simply must be true now. (laughs) I don't think you're hanging out with her dad though. Like he was hanging out with her dad in the box having a chat I don't think you're flying all around the country to go to the what was it the Nashville shows now they're in Philadelphia like they're not just friends I think all the Swifties can now be in agreement they're dating oh yeah and to be honest part of me is like now maybe this isn't even PR I don't even know anymore (laughs) like it's maybe part PR part dating I don't know but I agree with you to stand in a box with her parents yeah divorced parents too they're not even together (laughs) Divorce, 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 divorce. You know, like, you know, he's doing a bit of schmoozing. That's for sure. Now, they also got dinner with Jack Antonoff in New York as well. So proof after proof after proof, they're on. They were photographed holding hands. Yes. And they were photographed leaving a studio last night. Sorry, I could talk about this forever, as we know. And he had his hand on the small of her back as they walked into the car. You're going to say little, don't worry. (laughs) And who was taking the photos? Sorry, Sorry, what were you going to say? I thought you were going to say... Oh, it's no, actually, but. Yeah. <laughs> and which I actually don't think is important at all. In the, it's not important. <laughs> Annabelle, move it along. <laughs> Why is it Annabelle's job? Because Annabelle tried to. Uh, I was going to make a joke about who was taking the photos. It was Keith Urban. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, I, I regret asking you to move it along. That was very good. <laughs> was it? I really enjoyed it. I got a clap from Michelle. Come on, clap for me, oh, Cara. Oh, snort. <laughs> oh, sorry, but a snort's not a like, signifier of anything these days. Someone actually DM'd us last week and said, Michelle chill out on the snorts well, i don't not, mean to do it you're not also putting them on now like imagine if you were trying you can't tr- you can't try to do a snort could i try to do a no. snort? <laughs> i'm gonna take us to our second story our second story an interview with the father of selena gomez's kidney donor has resurfaced some dicey comments that's from pedestrian oh guys this was a story that was developing last week around the time that our episode came out so it is a little on the older side, I would say, compared to other stories that we choose to include in the episode. But it is really interesting. It's also slightly more sensitive. So I'm kind of glad that we've been given this time and space to really sit with it. Well, yeah, I think last week I was like, let's see how this unfolds and then we can... It's much easier for us to talk about it once something's sort of fully fleshed out. So to quickly recap this story for you guys, in the last six months or so, it's been heavily rumoured that Selena Gomez and her friend Francia Razor had fallen out. In 2017, Francia Razor gave Selena a kidney... Selena, of course, suffers from lupus. It was a very big story at the time. Yeah, they were best friends. I mean, I'm trying to think about the people in my life that I'd give a kidney to. For sure. And it would be your closest inner sanctum, surely. Yeah, absolutely. Now, in November last year, when Selena's documentary, My Mind and Me, was released, people noticed that Francia wasn't mentioned at all. Like she wasn't referenced in the documentary. She wasn't part of it. Even as part of the lupus conversation or the surgery conversation, her name did not get mentioned. For sure. Then in promo for the doco, when Selena was doing interviews to promote it, she told Rolling Stone that her only friend in the industry really is Taylor Swift. In response to that, Francia, who was also in the entertainment industry, commented on an Instagram post from E! News that kind of quoted this comment and just wrote, interesting, she then unfollowed Selena on Instagram. Mm. Selena responded to this drama because this exploded. Everyone spoke about it. We spoke about it on Shameless. Selena responded to it all by commenting on a random person's TikTok that was breaking the story down, right? This random person was reporting the whole thing, telling their followers what had happened. Selena commented, sorry, I didn't mention every person I know. Now, we at the time said on Shameless, 
it might be a bit of a reach to describe the person who gave you a literal organ as just one of the people you know. Yeah, absolutely. Now, there was that. And then in March 2023, Selena Gomez called Francia Razor her best friend. So everybody got a bit confused again and thought, oh, maybe they are friends. Maybe they've made up. Now, the internet's obsession with this feud definitely reignited last week. I don't know if you guys saw this, but Francia Razor was sort of dodged questions by a pap in LA about her friendship with Selena Gomez. It was this really interesting exchange where the pap would ask Francia questions, right? And she would ignore the questions. Mm. Um, For example, the pap would ask, you unfollowed Selena, you still don't follow her, are you going to follow her again? To which Francia would say, Sunday is so fun, it's my day of rest. (laughs) There was another interaction where the pap was like, do you guys still talk? To which Francia would say something like, it's a good day, isn't it? It's so pretty out. (laughs) So I think I would speak for all of us when I would say that she's being deliberately evasive because she doesn't have anything good to say. I think if everything's fine, say I was Francia Razor, I'm being followed by a pap and I'm really good friends with Selena Gomez still. Wouldn't I just say we're better than ever? Things are amazing. Yeah, Saw her last week for here. coffee. Yeah. Nothing. Why would you dodge them? Yeah, absolutely. And it's like you do want it to be a story if you're not dodging it. Like you can even lie as well to kill the story. She's being so coy and she's like, grinning as she does it I think it's definitely giving the vibes of you know and I know and I'm not going to say it but we all know because I'm not saying it 100% now off the back of that because people are talking about that an interview that Francia Reyes's father did on a Spanish language TV program from November last year has resurfaced and this has really shocked me because I'm like how did we not talk about this when it happened. In this interview, Francia Reyes' father said a lot. He said, love, money and fame changes the whole world, including Selena. He also said that the falling out between Francia Razor and Selena Gomez was provoked, and I quote, by Selena Gomez's drinking. He said, there's a difference when Selena is drinking. Francia told Selena that she didn't give her the kidney so she could go out and drink. He then ended the interview with some sort of strange warning, be careful, be very careful. Is that a warning to Selena? Yeah. Like, be careful how you treat my daughter publicly because we have a lot to say. I thought it was more like, be careful how, like what you're putting in your body and oh. stuff. But I think it could be up to interpretation. Keep in mind as well, this stuff has been translated yes. into English. So tone has been stripped as well. For sure. No matter how you feel about the falling out of Francie Fraser and Selena Gomez, given Francia gave her a kidney, comments like this are so yuck. Yeah. Like from a father in the scenario trying to kind of tell Selena what she can and can't do with her own body. I think it's the fact that it's coming from the father. If it was coming from Francia, I mean, I'd I'd probably have murky feelings about it regardless. But the fact it came from her father feels almost a little mansplaining dare yeah. I say or like paternalistic to be looking down on the young woman going telling her how to, to live very careful her life yeah but even still I think I mean whether or not it's true that Francia did tell Selena or not to drink I mean remains to be seen but it is even kind of strange obviously there's so many more layers to this that we don't know mm. to even sort of be giving someone something and then they're being sort of strings attached going forward I know it's not that straightforward because you can also say I did a lot for you, you do a lot for me. It's just like, I think it's that- messy, but the way it's been communicated here suggests to me that there were lots of rules. Yeah, I think it's really complicated. I can imagine though that if I gave someone my literal organ yeah. and you do have health consequences. Ferencia Razor will always have health consequences for giving up half of her kidneys. Yeah. Like I do think there's a world where I would expect the same of a loved one, to be honest. And I know that people might disagree with that. But if I'm making such a huge sacrifice to help someone else's health, I don't think it's out of the question you'd expect that person to take their health really seriously. It's deeply murky, isn't it? It's so complicated. And there's no easy answer. There's not. It's just not perfect on either side. And it's certainly... Not good when a father like this is talking the way he is. He can just exit the chat for I'm concerned. <laughs> Our third story. A video of Ben Affleck slamming a car door behind Jennifer Lopez has Twitter in a tizzy. That is from Glamour. Guys, the internet is really trying to convince itself that Ben and Jen are arguing a lot in public right now. I think it's actually doing a pretty good job of 
convincing me that they're arguing in public despite the fact my brain knows better <laughs> my brain does know better is this one of those scenarios where your heart wants the drama but your brain knows there's nothing to see here and my heart wins out every time. <laughs> <laughs> oh she's a woman full of love if you can't. look let's talk about it so i mean these conversations have been going on for a long time but the most recent one started last week with a video of jen and ben walking to their car in la here's how glamour summarized the video the clip shows Mr. and Mrs. Affleck approaching their parked car to go coffee cups in hand. Affleck opens the car door for his wife like a gentleman, then seems to use his whole body to shut it behind her with a disproportionate level of oomph. <laughs> you guys watch the video? Yes. That seems like a fair summation of what happened. Yeah, he he looks drained, but he always looks drained. He does. He looks drained walking to the car. He waits for Jen Lopez to get in. Very chivalrous, first of all, to like I know. open the door and do that for his wife. So that indicates to me not pissed off. If anything, it's giving like 1950s gentleman vibes. Yeah. It's like, I don't think Mitch has ever opened a car door for me once. No, I'm just starting to think, has anyone? <laughs> <laughs> so like that's not giving just had an argument. But then once she gets in, he's just off slamming it. It's not a slam. It's a forceful close with velocity. <laughs> yes. Now, on the TikTok that sort of posted this and it went viral, it has, you know, nearly 4 million views again at the time of recording. Competing with Keith. Irving. I know. The top <laughs> comment had 9,000 likes and said, I am dying at the way he closed the door. Headlines exploded. Everybody said the same thing, which is, oh, my God, they're very dysfunctional, these two, and oh, my goodness, they're very grumpy. However, you watch the video with sound and it's very clear clear that he's frustrated at the paparazzo ah. who's taking photos all you have to do is actually either try and lip read like everyone on the internet tries to do <laughs> which i do not encourage or find the youtube clip of this where there's really clear sound here's how the journalist hunter harris summed it all up in her newsletter hung up this looks like affleck generally paparazzi polite losing patience with a photographer who'd already gotten a shot of them in the full video he clearly addresses the pap I think you've got it. Mm. So there was that story that just like you, Michelle, people are human. They love to lead with their heart. <laughs> a day-ish later, they walked the red carpet for her new film, The Mother. Did you see this interaction? Of course I did. Of course I clicked in. And again, my heart screamed at me, there's marital problems. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's just talk about it. Now, on the red carpet, everyone assumed that they were engaging in some sort of lively conversation that was an argument. Here's how Page Six reported it. Jennifer Lopez, Ben Affleck have tense red carpet moment before kissing, making up. A lot of people reported this, right? Mm. It's since been proven that they were actually, once again, I think people found sound, going their separate ways on the red carpet and trying to organise logistics of either where they were going to meet or how they were going to find their kids and where they were going to go. Because there'd be so much going on for Jen Lopez on a red carpet like this. It's her film. She would have contractual obligations to the production company or whoever that she needs to get a certain number of solo shots on oh the red God, carpet, family shots, shots with Ben, whatever. There'd be a heap going on for her. For sure. And so they were just trying to organise themselves. A day after that, the Daily Mail dropped another article publishing this exclusive Ben Affleck and Jennifer Lopez are caught having another tense exchange when they are seen arguing while stopped at red light fueling talk that the actor is miserable in the marriage. The piece was basically some random person in the car next door filming them having another animated conversation. And I'm like, I'm sorry. <laughs> I know I'm not going to like die on the hill of protecting Jen and Ben, but can you imagine how annoying it would be mm. having an animated conversation and everyone saying you're fighting? Well, the problem for Ben Affleck is he doesn't have resting bitch face. He has resting He's got grump. Resting exasperated face yeah, somehow. I saw photos of him on a yacht. <laughs> Literally on a summer vacation, sunbathing, <laughs> and he's got the biggest frown on his face. <laughs> like he's just, he's just got resting crumbs. And the funniest part is he's probably trying to be like, but I'm having the best time. <laughs> yeah, it's so, I'm like, it's not. I can imagine. I don't think I have resting grumpy face, but when I tell stories and I feel like you and I would fit in this camp where I'm pissed off at somebody else mm. and I might be telling you the story, if somebody caught that without sound, it would probably look like I'm losing it at you. Well, the funny thing is, is that as you were telling me that, you are wagging your finger at <laughs> the table. I'd love to see a replay of that. Because if we took sound out of that and put it under 
a Daily Mail headline, Zara McDonald, like, yeah, across the show. I honestly think, I, maybe that's why I want to protect Ben. I don't know if we're all gonna, ever going to fall victim to this, and I just want to protect ourselves. And I want to put on the record, I know we've said on the show before, we don't see these two lasting Oh, that's for different forever. reasons. <laughs> I think that's for the fact that they split up for 20 years and got back together. I think that's because they've had a few volatile relationships in their past. There are lots of reasons why we think they're not going to last. We could just leave them alone, and my gossip-hungry heart is sad to say that, but... I don't think there was anything there with any of the headlines here this week. There it is. <laughs> coming <laughs> <My> up, <head laughs> Coming up after the break, let's talk about one Hollywood couple's divorce that's definitely raising questions, and Mish comes to the table with a my two cents. But first, a word from today's sponsor. Our fourth story, Jeremy Allen White, star of The Bear and wife Addison Timlin are calling it quits. That is from the LA Times. I feel like this is one of those stories where 50% of the listeners will know exactly who Jeremy Allen White is and maybe the other 50% are a little hazy. Annabelle. Yeah, I watched Shameless, so he was Lip. He played Uh, Lip on there. I was an OG fan. Exactly. But if you haven't watched The Bear and you haven't watched the TV show Shameless, you might not know who he is. Do not fear. We are so confident you will care about this story like we do. 1,000%. Now, The Bear, of course, is that kind of drama show about a young chef that people adored in the middle of last year. Did either of you watch it? Yes. Yeah. it was. Yeah. I watched like two episodes. It was slightly too intense for me. Oh. <laughs> a bit too. And a little long. Yeah. You know, just, just like lots going on. But it looked like it would be a good TV show. <laughs> uh, and he was really celebrated for it. He also, as you said, Mish starred on... Shameless, the TV show, (laughs) not us. Now, if Jeremy is known for anything outside acting, we'd have to say his relationship with actress Addison Timlin is pretty high profile. Addison is an actress. She is best known for her recurring role on Californication a few years ago. She's also done a few smaller films and stuff like that. She does have 300,000 followers on Instagram. So she's also a public figure. Yeah. Now, fans care a lot about these two. They reportedly met in performing art school when they were about 14 years old with close friends for a decade before they got together for real in 2016. They had a daughter in 2018. They got married in 2019. Fun fact, Dakota Johnson and Chris Martin were their witnesses. That is such a hot fun fact. I know. And then they had a second daughter in 2020. And in public, they've often been very gushing about each other. When the bear premiered Mish, Addison wrote on Instagram, it is always a privilege to witness the work Jeremy puts in and the result will always take my breath away. Congratulations to the whole team, but to Jeremy especially, watching your dreams come true will always put a fire in my heart. I am infinitely proud. Mm, He is equally gushing about Addison. At the Golden Globes this year, social media swooned when he gave his acceptance speech. Jeremy Allen White said, I love you deep in my bones. Thank you for all that you do. Thank you for everything that you've done. Yes. And then she, in response to him winning that Golden Globe, wrote on Instagram, when we were 14 years old and I saw you perform for the first time in drama class, I couldn't take my eyes off of you. When I watched the pilot for The Bear, I cried my fucking heart out. I think somewhere I must have known how much life was about to change, but mostly I just knew that the world was about to discover what I've known all along. What a privilege it's been to know you first. She went on in that caption and wrote, watching you win was one of the most overwhelming dimensions hopping moments of my whole life watching you win last night while holding our two babies was pretty out of this world too yeah now as we said these two have been very in love and very public about this and then last week it was announced they were getting a divorce and I think what's been most interesting about this is a few things have been made really clear right mm-hmm. we know that Addison Timlin was the one to file for divorce but it wasn't just that fact that people have been talking about no Sources have been speaking to the tabloids, including Entertainment Tonight, and giving quotes like this. Trust issues during their relationship ultimately led to their divorce. The other really confusing factor for us is that the date of separation on their divorce filing has been listed as September 1, 2022, which is like three months before they gave these quotes at the Golden Globes. Yeah, 
That is three months before he said, I love you deep in my bones. Maybe in front four of the months. Whole in fact, month month maths. Maths. <laughs> <laughs> month maths. Months before he gave that quote, Addison Timlin, I love you deep in my bones in front of the whole world. So you and I read this and we were like, hang on a second. Why is the filing saying that they separated six months ago when they've been posting all this gushing stuff about each other since? Part of me was like, oh, I wonder if the news, I was like so floored by that, that I was like, I wonder if the news outlets have just got it wrong. Mm-hmm. Like, I wonder if it's not actually that date that's been- By September, know. do they mean April? Yeah, I know, <laughs> like easy mistake to make. But Addison actually doubled down on the timeline of everything on Instagram for Mother's Day. She posted a post about being a single mom and she wrote, I am feeling so peaceful today and so deeply in love with my children. Being a mom is the only thing I've ever wanted and being theirs is the luckiest, most remarkable thing on the planet. Doing it alone has given me more strength and more empathy and more tears than anything else in my life ever has. So thank you to everyone everyone that has helped me in these last nine months. Nine months. But we had the posts. We had the posts. Could it be a legal thing in that, you know, backdating a separation can fast track a divorce? I don't know if that kind of works in Californian divorce law though. Yeah, I'm following. That would make sense. I think another thing that would make sense from an emotional standpoint maybe is say there's been a betrayal. I mean, we've heard from anonymous sources in the media that there were trust issues that ultimately led to this divorce. Say there's been a betrayal from one of them. Could it be a possibility that there was a betrayal, they decided to quote unquote separate and work through it and psychologically they were both so determined to make it work or so determined to put out a certain picture to the world that they overcompensated and that's how we got these quotes. Like maybe if you're stressed about the state of your relationship, you feel like it doesn't have that strong foundation anymore. You have this weird urge to prove to everyone that it's far stronger than it actually is. It says to me less about stress and more about trying to convince yourself if you're trying to bring the relationship back. Mm. Like if that January timing is very interesting to me that that could be the timing that you are both really trying to work on this together and remind each other why you've been in this for so long and why you love each other. So I don't actually doubt that the quotes were in some way genuine because they were really trying Mm. to make it work. But they'd probably had issues for a for a few months and those issues clearly haven't resolved themselves. Regardless, I am fascinated by the whole thing. I'm also fascinated by the concept, I have to say, of someone's career properly exploding. Not to say the Shameless, the TV show is not properly exploding, Mm. but the bear was critically acclaimed. Mm. It's golden globe worthy. Someone's career properly exploding and the relationship falling apart. Particularly when one, you're both actors and one has taken time out to become a parent. The, it sounds like that, the sole caregiver, even yeah. to your two children. Our fifth story. They've really clicked again. Maya Gemma sparks reconciliation rumours with ex-boyfriend Stormzy with secret <laughs> visits to his house. Yay! That is from the Daily Mail. Again, guys, complete anonymous sourcing here. I mean, it's kind of the only story we've perhaps wanted to come out of 2023 and it's not confirmed at all. But we thought if there's chatter about it, we're going to be chatting. (laughs) The world is healing if this is true. It is an unverified story, but we're so excited about it here at Shameless. We truly don't care. Annabelle, do you care about these two? I really like Stormzy. I don't know anything about Maya. Okay. Oh, you'd love her. Yeah. Just take it from me. Okay. I I believe you. I think you'd like them together. I kind of want to lay out a couple of reasons why I think this is not your average unverified story. It's pretty unverified. (laughs) (laughs) But like, you know, I think there's some something to it. Okay. Here's how the piece opens. Maya Jammer is reportedly back in regular contact with her ex-boyfriend Stormzy, sparking rumours a reconciliation could be on the cards. Maya's team previously shut down relationship speculation after they were linked last year, insisting at the time they were just friends. Insiders now claim they have been enjoying spending time together at his house. You don't just go to your ex-boyfriend's house, well, guys. No, but we don't know that she actually did. <laughs> now, My heart's saying it. The <laughs> evidence we do have is Maya being very publicly emphatic that she was not dating Leonardo DiCaprio when rumours last month started to surface that they were connected. She was also papped wearing a Leo necklace. Do you remember that? I do. And she tweeted, I've been minding my business on holiday and said I wouldn't respond or pay attention to any of the silly stories anymore, but you need to stop now. That is literally my star sign. We are not dating. Move on, please. 
Do you care about false rumors connecting you to Leonardo DiCaprio unless there is someone else in the picture? No. You don't. I, honestly, if I was single and there was false reports about me dating Leonardo DiCaprio, I'd be like, ooh, perhaps. You know? Publicly, you'd be like to your friends and family, be like, it's so embarrassing. Yeah. It's so false. Be like, I'm not going to do a thing. Are you coming out that it? emphatically and saying, we are not dating, move no. on. The second piece of evidence <laughs> is that Maya's reps declined to comment. And the uh. last time, no, no, the last time they were connected, they did comment and said uh. they're just friends. This time they're just not commenting at all. They're sleeping together. I think they're trying to work it out. And I I think for those who might have missed this one, when they were together, it sounds like Stormzy did something wrong to end the relationship. He said that to Louis Theroux. Yeah, he said pretty emphatically it wasn't cheating. He just doesn't feel like he was the best version of himself or the best partner that he could have been. Yeah, and he's given some amazing quotes about that. And, and written it sounds some like beautiful songs. It sounds like he's really ready to be an amazing boyfriend to Maya. And I, I will tell you, if these two are back together, I feel fine about Taylor and Joe separating. I think this is like everything's spinning on its axis. Everything's moving the way it should be. Time is what is it? A flat circle or something. <laughs> uh, that's all for the quick and dirty. Thanks so much. Thank you, next bitch. And now it's time for... <laughs> I forgot about this. Every time we do this, it's so bad. And that's my two cents. All right, so Kent Brockman yes. just, just did the little thingy thing and I have a my two cents for the listeners. My belief is that the pressure on young people to buy designer fashion and luxury accessories has never been more intense. How do you define young people? Gen Z. Gen Z. Gen Z and Gen Alpha. Yeah. Okay. So don't ask me what years that is. Younger than us. I, I, I think I'm Z. the cutoff for Gen Z. I would say 25 and younger. Yes. Agree. Now, I want to kind of walk you through how I started thinking about this over the last week. Because on Friday, I actually sent you, Zara, a screenshot from my Instagram timeline. It was a photo of Sophia Begg. She's more commonly known by her username at Sofa Dofa. She's one of the biggest Australian influencers of the moment. She has more than 1.7 million followers across Instagram and TikTok. She's only 19 years old. So as you can imagine, I'm probably not in her core demographic. No. 29. <laughs> I just realised how old we are. <laughs> Sorry, I'm 28. <laughs> Can't relate. Can't relate you're, at all. You're I might be like a month. Doesn't matter. I might be in a demographic. <laughs> <laughs> so I probably. That's the way you laughed. At Sorry, that. it's just it's so I shocking when you laughed harder at something I said. It's just so shocking when you realise that you're just getting old. <laughs> anyway, I'm probably out of her core demographic i acknowledge that regardless i'm still a follower i'm still a fan back to the instagram photo yeah. that i sent you though it was a sponsored selfie of sophia promoting the new fendi and mark jacobs collab she had a version of the fendi baguette bag around her shoulder which i checked retails currently for five thousand five hundred dollars she's also wearing a white fendi crop that retails for twenty eight hundred dollars so quick maths that is eight thousand three hundred dollars worth of fashion that she is trying to promote to her followers. It made me feel two things. First of all, Sofa Dofa is killing it and good on her. For a 19-year-old to be offered paid partnerships or gifted partnerships, I'm not quite sure what the behind the scenes were of this, but for her to be offered this, a collab with Fendi and Marc Jacobs, is incredible and truly something. The second thing that struck me was how interesting that the team at Fendi are trying to figure out who to reach, who to collab with, and they're looking at a 19-year-old Australian and saying, we want to reach the audience that this 19-year-old reaches. I mean, common sense would tell me that luxury brands want to reach a slightly older demo with disposable cash. And yet I'm thinking about myself at 19 or 20 or 21. And I barely had $2 to rub together. Yeah, it's so fascinating because when you sent this to me, I was like, I didn't know that there was such a market here. I mean, I've been sensing it on TikTok and Instagram that young people, and when we say young people, I think under the age of 25, are talking about designer more than I ever did when I was in my early 20s. I didn't know anything no. um, about any of it at that age. I'm far more at this age, I think more interested in fashion and designer. Same. And I don't mean that in some sort of strange patronizing way in that there's a certain age that you get to where you have to, you're allowed to care about it. It's not that at all. I think 
when we were younger, we weren't exposed to these kinds of things. And I can't imagine the pressure I would have felt when I was at uni or working part-time to see it all over my Instagram all the time. Because I think people are seeing it all over their Instagram and TikTok. Yeah, well, this is the thing. I think now I have more of an interest in this stuff because I've been working full-time for almost a decade. Yeah. So naturally, the older you get, the more disposable cash you have to kind of think about this stuff. But at 19, I was struggling to pay my Mikey card, like to take public transport. I think I wouldn't be alone. I don't think I'm alone in believing that there's never been more pressure for young people to be living like the 1%. And I just am desperate to know where that comes from. I mean, there are plenty of examples about young people being made the faces of- Emma Chamberlain with Louis Vuitton. We know that Charlie D'Amelio is very closely associated with Prada. So Vodafone in Australia is certainly not the only influencer that's being targeted. This is clearly really meticulous from the brands who know that actually Gen Z are buying designer. And the proof is in the pudding because a lot of the stats are saying that Gen Z are buying. Yeah. So when I did some research into this, I was kind of relieved to find that the numbers do support my opinion. So <laughs> it's always good. <laughs> Facts, bit not feelings. <laughs> bit of yeah. confirmation bias never goes astray. So I was reading a piece in Fortune and they quoted statistics that say growth in the luxury fashion industry is coming almost exclusively from Gen Z. To a lesser extent, millennials are a growing demographic, but Gen Z is outperforming us. According to the research cited by Fortune, on average, Gen Z are buying their first luxury item at the age of 15. That is outperforming millennials by five years. And even both of those stats, I didn't own anything luxury at the age of 20. So that was shocking in and of itself for Gen Z to be kind of looking at this stuff when they're literal teenagers. Gen Z spending on luxury items is also expected to be three times that of luxury spending from millennials. I think I read the same research as you because I also wanted to see if, <laughs> if, you know, the opinion was backed up by <laughs> research and it absolutely is. I-, I found it really interesting. CSNBC reported that Gen Z and Gen Alpha are expected to make up a third of the luxury market by 2030. Now, 2030 is not that far away. So these are the people that are not only being targeted by designer, but are also spending it. And it genuinely does make me wonder what it is about this generation who aren't that much younger than us, who have been so much more exposed to it and why it's worked. Well, I'm wondering if part of it is Generation Z has definitely been raised here in Australia, at least with the belief that buying property, buying a home is almost unattainable for them. I'm genuinely wondering if some members of Gen Z are looking at their financial future going, well, buying a $1.5 million family home is out of the equation for me. What isn't out of the equation is buying a $5,000 Fendi bag. Like I can work towards that and achieve that goal in the next year. I'd prefer to work towards something that's actually achievable than something that feels completely unattainable. Yeah, and I think it's really easy to look at the designer bag market and say it's some real frivolous kind of spending. But if you've ever looked at the designer resale market, you know a lot of them can make money. Mm. Like it's not a bad investment to be buying a bag if you can. It's not the only form of an investment, but it is one. To your point, I think there is something to it. Morgan Stanley did some research too to argue that young people are living at home longer to curb the rising cost of living, right? And then are spending that extra cash on designer to kind of make themselves feel better Mm. about the fact that they're living at home. I also think there are a couple of other things for me and there might be just like a million things at play. I do wonder if part of this is a rat race as well. Like, you know, there's been that ongoing joke about looking at our year 12 formal photos compared to the year 12 formal photos of now. (laughs) And it's like, wow, how did we miss the boat so much? (laughs) And it's like, is this just the next phase of that in that every year social media gets more polished and refined because you're exposed to, I don't know what's trending much easier. Like we didn't have that as much. I also do feel like TikTok has lent itself to aspirational culture so much more than any other app. So the people that we've elevated on that platform are the ones with money, the young Mm. people with money. And I do wonder if that exposure has sort of pressured other young people to be thinking that they should be living like that too. Well, it's setting a standard. The, The people that the TikTok algorithm keeps promoting are living a life that is kind of widely acknowledged as the goal. Like yeah. these are the people we're holding up. These are the people whose lifestyles we want to emulate. And I, I think it actually extends beyond fashion. The number of young people I'm seeing fly business or fly first class has genuinely made me think about my own flying habits and be like, how much is a business class flight? Like, <laughs> well, like how are the average people doing this? And it's not the average people. It's not the average Gen Z person. 
but it is the the very small subset of people in Gen Z that we're constantly seeing on our feet. Yeah, well, it kind of thwarts your perspective on what is normal. Yeah, and achievable. I think luxury online has taken on a brand new meaning mm. in the last 12 to 18 months. I think it's been even. really recent. I think it has been the last year that I've certainly noticed it. And I think you guys are noticing it. Another seed that was planted in my mind was a question that listener Rachel asked us on Your Safe Friday last week. I saw this and I decided we're not going to respond to this now. We'll respond to it in the episode. Rachel asked us, I'm getting so frustrated by influencer excess. Do you guys ever feel like this? And I think personally, my attitude is no. I don't find it frustrating at all. I certainly find it interesting. And to a lesser extent, I think I find it personally motivating that I find aspiration culture inspirational. But I'm not surprised that some people are watching on thinking there's a massive cost of living crisis right now. And I'm finding it irritating that the lifestyle I'm seeing again and again online is the lifestyle of the rich and famous. Yeah, that's probably a really good point because personally I don't find it that grating. I find it fascinating. Mm. Like I find it fascinating watching people online who, you know, do seem to have quite a bit of cash and are happy to splash that around. But I do wonder in the next year or two, as the cost of living is is probably going to really you know, crunch down on people even more than it already is. How people's patience might wane the more they see this. Regardless, clearly these designer brands and the luxury market have done its research and are deciding that despite all of that, young people are still the people they're going to prop the industry up. I don't think we're going to stop seeing these ads at all. If anything, I think they're going to get more and more prolific in the next couple of years. Annabelle, you're Gen Z. Mm. Have you felt any of this? I've definitely seen it and I found it fascinating, sometimes a little bit icky, out of touch maybe, but mostly fascinating. I do think because I'm on the cusp of Gen Z and millennial, I have the heart of a millennial. (laughs) (laughs) I spend a lot of time with millennials. Yeah, exactly. And I think I've like, a lot of my career has been in like millennial kind of women's mm. media. So I don't think I really necessarily resonate with that Gen Z vibe of well, wanting that Well, you can reject luxury. it. Yeah. We'll adopt you. <laughs> <laughs> An honorary millennial. Welcome. I think that's all we've got time for. Yeah, guys, thank you so much. If you want to participate in Your Say Friday, where we get all of your thoughts on everything we spoke about in this episode, Come to our Instagram page. It is at Shameless Podcast. Those polls go up around lunchtime on Friday and we love hearing your thoughts. Cannot wait, guys. If you want to support us, you know what to do. Hit follow on Spotify or Apple or wherever you get your pods. It helps other people find us. Annabelle Louie, anything to add? No. No. (laughs) No. Bye, guys. See you on Monday. media this podcast was recorded on Wurundjeri land always was always will be aboriginal land